We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear. I'm the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today we have a special guest with us, Teen Challenge graduate, Mark Carlos. What year did you graduate? I graduated 2014. 2014, eh? Yep. I remember. March 2014. I remember you coming by Street Connection back in the day with some of the Teen Challenge boys and doing some outreach and stuff you were working on then. Yeah, with Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Your truck out there in a ladder, you're doing, I don't know, painting or something. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I was redoing the mural on the side of the building. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The Phoenix rising out of the ashes. Yes. It's a a good picture, actually. Mm -hmm. I think we can both relate to that, eh? Absolutely. Yeah, so you're here to tell us your story. You know, in Christian circles, we have Christianisms. We call them our testimony, our story. But to be real, it's your story. It's what's happened with you. You know, what your life was like one day, a long time ago. And then when you accepted Christ into your life, God made himself real to you. And then what's been happening since? What's God doing in your life today? Well, I'll start back wherever you like. I'll hand it to you. Okay. Well, I guess you start off like all of us growing up, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of where you're heading to and what you're all about. So when I was a youngster, I grew up in a family of Polish mafia boys. Uh, my grandfather was out of the Polish mob in mm-hmm. Toronto, and we got pictures of him and Al Capone together. Goes wow. back, goes back a while, you know, and I was brought up that way. I didn't know of church or anything else. The only thing I knew of God was grade school and giving away our, our age. You know, the Lord's Prayer, God Save the Queen, and the National Anthem. Yes. And that's what we did every morning, right? So that's the only thing I knew of God. You know, there was no Bible. There was no church in our in our house. There was none of that. And it was basically, you know, you get what you deserve by your actions, and everything that you have is what you've worked for, right? And so anything that's given to me at the time or anything that, that I had is something I worked for and nobody else gave it to me. Mm. And at, uh, at eight years old... My turning point in my life, I got violently raped. And I remember everything about it still to this day, and I'm 55. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't look back at it as in, you know, oh, well, it was me or anything like that. But I do remember, you know, and for me to say I don't would be a lie, and, and I'm not going to do that, right? But that's for, that was my turning point. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I didn't trust anybody, including my own parents. It wasn't my parent 
that did this to me. It was uh, a neighbor, but either way, they're not here anymore. And then my father thought he'd teach me to be a man because he didn't want that to happen to me again. And I didn't understand it at the time why he'd throw the gloves at me all the time. And I get it now. You know, he, he, that's the only thing he knew. You know, he didn't have God in his life. He didn't have any kind of forgiveness. He just thought, that's the way I have to teach my son so it doesn't happen to him again. Yeah. So he made me into a pretty good fighter. Well, at 13, he gave me such a good beat that uh, I didn't come home again. I was sitting in the Kindle box in the garage trying to get away from him. I was taking the beat so bad. And, and I remember at that time, I, I, I said, I go, if there's a God, if there is a God to take me away. And he didn't. So I thought he didn't like me or something. So I didn't like him back. And then I got taken in when I was living on the street. George Chevallo taught me how to box. I did the martial arts for a long time. I fought, like, you know, the tough man competition in Vancouver and stuff like that. And another fellow there that, you know, Stuart Gray, who's a Hansi. Mm. And he calls me Crunchy. I used to be fight the Crunchy tournament. Okay. But at that time, some, some bad people started getting an eye on me motorcycle club yeah you know and this kid's pretty good scrapper we're gonna take him in and well i'll tell you what by the time i was 42 years old i've been shot four times did eight and a half years in prison blowing up rpg and all that kind of stuff and running mm-hmm. with a motorcycle club i just don't have to get into the particulars but lived a pretty nasty life right yeah well not the best one i chose you know at 42 i met a beautiful woman that was brought up united pentecostal i didn't know what it meant at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a Christian, as for as long as I have, I still don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And she got pregnant and gave birth to a beautiful boy at 44. Mm. And on my son's second birthday, we, I got taken away to the Hooskow for making a bad decision. Yeah. Well, in that time, I was a stunt man for the film industry and, and I worked like that and I broke a lot of bones mm. and I was given painkillers. So I was uh, I was prescribed Percocets and then Oxycontin in the 80s. And wow. Like for a good 20-something years, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where I was on 1580s a day. Oh, my gosh. That's what I was prescribed, 1580s yeah. a day, right? I wasn't a junkie because they were prescribed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you know? And then when I went to jail, I'll tell you what, I got sick. Absolutely horrible, you know? And then I... Pill sick? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dope sick, right? Dope yeah. sick, right? Yeah. And, you know, in the club, you drink, you do dope, you know, stuff like that. Because you're in a club, you don't really get addicted to it or you get 86, right? But you can you can still do bagfuls, you know, as long as you only do it, you know, on the weekend kind of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. functioning addicts, okay. So it's, it's you, know, you have those things. And, and as a Christian, I know now how to tell how Lucifer is a liar, right? And how we believe that because it's prescribed, we're not drug addicts. Right. Right. But I tell you what, when you're in Don jail and you got no pills... Mm-hmm. You get awfully sick. Oh, yeah. And when I was in the dawn, it was an altercation. Well, I ended up at St. Mike's for five days in the trauma unit. Mm-hmm. And the brain bleed and my head looked like a football. And there was 14 of them, but yep. one, of them, one of them didn't make it off the range. Mm-hmm. So now I got a charge on me that's going to keep me in for probably the rest of my life. Yeah. I was in there. That was December 8th that happened. I went back to the dawn. It was five or six days or something. They had me at St. Mike's. And then I was in SAG because I was now was a dangerous offender. Right. And I'm in my cell and Salvation Army came around. They do a thing called a sunshine bags at Christmas time. 
mm-hmm. and they throw in a Bible, you know, because I had to stand against the wall. I couldn't come to the bars when the, when the three gents came around, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember the guard saying, don't worry about it, right? Just keep on going, right? That's Lucifer himself in that cell, right? Yeah. So just keep on going, right? And they said no, and they threw a Bible, and it was called the answer book. And the one I was given, I still have. It's in my leathers, but I don't have another one here. I thought I did. And it enveloped on the ground, but I didn't go for that first. I went for the sunshine bag, right? Because mm-hmm. it had them soft butter cookie things there. Yeah. The peak freens, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then they had a, so, and a Kit Kat. Yep. Remember the Kit Kat? And so I went deal. for that first. Yeah. Oh, sure. You're inside, yeah. right? Exactly. So I ate that. And then I picked up the Bible and it was opened up to Psalm 51. Tell you what, I, I, had the Bible in my hand a lot when I was inside because when you wanted the roll joints, you know, the paper burned pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, it's good roll. So, yeah, and the address book for the filter, right? Mm-hmm. And so one way or the other, God got his word in me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I read Psalm 51 and it said, as part of it, it says, I'll praise you when the bones that you have broken mend. I don't know why that stuck in my head. And then I, I gave myself to the Lord in that jail cell. I didn't know how. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it, but for some reason, uh, the shovel hit me in the face and said, you're, you're, you're insane. You're doing the same thing over and over again, ending up in jail, expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. I'm not, obviously I thought I was a pretty smart fellow, but I, I'm not dumb as a stump. Right. <laughs> and I got a kid now, a little boy. So I asked God to help me out. I don't think it was two hours later, the guard sitting there and he goes, well, I heard you in there giving yourself to God stuff. I was like, yeah, whatever that means, I don't know, you know. And Gary goes, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in God wholeheartedly. I believe in Jesus Christ. He died for us, and then was resurrected, beat death for us. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what that means. Okay, you know. Yeah. I go, I'm just trying this. He goes, well, and he goes, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, you got to go to a court in front of a judge because it's already come through that you're not getting charged for the M. Wow. Because this videotape, there's not enough evidence. Yeah. They're going to drop it. You're done. But you got to get in front of a judge before it happens, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I was just like, well, okay. Well, that must be a coincidence. Yeah. Hey, gave myself to the Lord, tried to do it. Two hours yeah. later, they were making it so that I might be able to get out and be a father, right? Yes. But it doesn't work that easy. Shortly after, I was putting the general pop again and doing what I was doing. But I stayed reading the book and stayed, you know, this and that. And there was a fellow there that was in the cell. This guy, Matt Boardman. He went to Teen Challenge and graduated. Yep. I, I mm-hmm. knew Matt from the street. He saw me reading the bio. I was like, you want to you know what that's about or what? Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. And then he said to me, he goes, you know, there's a place called Teen Challenge, eh? And I was like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. So he handed me the phone one time. It was this fellow Isaac that was the intake coordinator. Mm-hmm. Well, Isaac's brother-in-law was club. So that must have been another coincidence. Yeah. You know, because he was in the same club I was in. Okay. And Isaac got me into Teen Challenge, but I had to get bail, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I was already DO'd and everything else. So I had to go to high court. I'd go, okay, let's give it a shot. Go to high court. We went to high court. There was a fellow there named Jack Aldred. Came and saw me in the jail for Teen Challenge to my intake while I was inside. So this fellow Jack showed up to court and my sister and the judge said, okay, we're going to give you bail. And I was like, oh, okay, that's unheard of, right? Yeah. And this fellow Jack, the judge looked at Jack. He goes, well, if you actually believe that the Lord's in this, Jack, how would you feel about signing this man's bail that you've only known for four hours? And Jack goes, God's will, it's God's will, I'll do it. So it was a complete stranger. I yes. met for four hours, right? Yes. Man, really the first Christian man I ever met is putting money on, putting a signature on me, a person he's only known in jail as yes. a bad man, right? 
And the kind of people that we are is if a man does that, you follow through the best yeah. you can to make sure you stay honorable, right? And God knows that. That's why he did that. They gave me bail, and Jack drove me up to Teen Challenge in Lambeth, Ontario, and went to Five Guys in London there, cause called it my last supper, mm -hmm. and went in there. And I tell you what, I went there Easter weekend, hey, the Wednesday of Easter weekend. Sister G was doing a thing called Smash the Bunny on the Thursday morning or something, okay. where they smashed the chocolate bunnies. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sitting in there looking around. I've never been in church in my life. These guys got their hands up in the air doing the window wash as they're praying, you know. Yeah. Wayne's up there singing. And I love the man, you know, plays a mean guitar. But, you know, his voice isn't always, you know, on tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to speak, right? And I thought I was stuck in a 60s cult film. Yeah. You know, never been in a church before. Mm -hmm. And you see this kind of guys are laying on the ground, planked out. You know, guys are speaking in tongues. And, and then we go to church six times. Mm -hmm. That first weekend, because it being Easter weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Went to these plays and everything else. I didn't really have to read the Bible after that weekend. I was pretty good, you know? Yeah. But uh, a teen challenge, I wouldn't say uh, I wasn't spiteful, but yeah. I questioned everything, right? I'm analytical. So needless to say, and I was told this by Remy, one of the directors there, that I thought it was eight months detention I got, but he told me it was 10 months. Mm-hmm. So I was on D for 10 months, right? And, oh, yep. and my thing wasn't digging ditches. They go, no, Mark likes to dig ditches on his own. It was reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Yep. So that was that was my punishment. Mm -hmm. And I don't care who you are. You read the Bible eight, 10 hours a day, seven days a week. You get pretty good at it. Yeah. Well, you get saturated in God's word that way. Right? Yeah. And you have a lot of really good teachers there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a building, but God set up some amazing teachers in that place. I'll tell you what. Absolutely, man. You know, so I was blessed with that. Anyway, I, I graduated and I lived there for six months, you know, because the, yeah. the missus didn't want me back. And then six months down the road, she said, why don't you come and be a dad? Not a, not a husband, but a dad. So yep. I came back to my house and uh, blessed to raise my son. Wow. You know, I was blessed to come home on my son's fourth birthday. Yes. Right. And uh, it was two years I was gone for, right? And and I realized the damage I did because my son was standoffish. Mm -hmm. You know, he's four years old and he was standoffish of his father because he didn't know if his dad was going to go outside and not come back for another year, right? Right. Yeah. Which I don't blame, you mm -hmm. know, that's just the way it is. So it took some time for there, you know, it took a lot of faith, it took me to get on my knees a lot to God at night. Go, okay. This is my fault. And how, how, how do I make this better? Right. You know, and as we all know, when we come at a teen challenge, your graduation day is the day that you take accountability of your actions mm -hmm. and that everything that has happened to you in that time is nobody else's fault other than your own. Right. Yeah. You know, and that means for your family, for everything, right? Like you can't come out and go, oh, you don't let me do this. Well, you haven't proved yourself yet, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I figured that stuff out. And that, after that, I guess it's been for six months of being here, you know, a little different, right? And then did some stuff for Tyndale and that and the BRE. So Tyndale, BRE? Yeah, BRE for your Bachelor of Religious Education. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, writing the master's, mm -hmm. then some psychology and addiction counseling. Beautiful. So Are you act in that now, like you you were saying that you're involved with the community center. Yeah, we do. Well, you know, remember Followers Mission, downtown Queen and Sherburne? Yes. You know what? I had one of the, probably one of the best teachers for outreach. Wayne Flanders there took me out everywhere, taught me a great deal of, of how to be a man of God. I, I salute him. Him and Les and some of the other fellas and Jamie Wood, yourself, you know, you know full well what you got to do, right? Yeah. 
and what our calling is. So for him to teach me the finer points of soldiering for God, so to speak, I really felt bad because I felt selfish. Because I tell you what, when I went down to followers mission and gave out soup or blessing bags or something, and just hung out with the guys to talk, you know, and, and then at the end asked if I could pray for them. And they said, sure. Right. And I came home. I couldn't sleep that night. Eh? Mm-hmm. Like I was stoked. Right? I shouldn't be that. That's rather selfish of me that I'm talking to a guy that's living in the street, you know, that hasn't had a shower or warm bed to sleep in, and I'm coming home and I can't sleep because I'm stoked because I had a chance to sit with the guys, right? Yeah, yes. So I felt a little odd about that, but I came over to the conclusion that's just God blessing me with the Holy Spirit, right? Absolutely. And giving me some joy out of it. It probably would take hours to go into all the details of everything, if not months, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing your story with us. So, Mark, what's God doing in your life these days? Well, I got—I uh, was blessed. I got—I got ordained by uh, CC uh, Canadian Christians Ministers Federation, mm-hmm. and uh, now pastor. And I have the education behind me to book it too. Working with a drip which is the Durham Region Isolation Program for Salvation Army, working with homeless COVID patients, homeless mental health in Oshawa, Durham Region. And they asked me to be the pastor there. So God's got me working in some of the, you know, places that we need to have God working in. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, God's already working there. He just needs some people to step up and do the job, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. and as we see, I'm blessed to be able to do this. I mean, the homeless are homeless, right? They got nothing. Yes. And, you know, those are my people. And I've been there and I've been all over the map myself as well. So it's like, that's that's also the population I work with. And that seems to be where God's heart is. I mean, it's every, God's heart's everywhere, but, you know, we're, we're right in the middle of the Holy Spirit. He's, as you said, he's already there. Amen to that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Mark. I appreciate um, it. Hopefully we can do do a little bit more of this at some point. Well, after this lockdown is done, I'm going to jump on a bike and come out to London way. So. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. That was Mark Carlos on Refuge Freedom Stories. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks, buddy. God bless. God bless your brother. Oh, something got a hold on me. Oh, something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold Something got a hold Something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold on me Oh, something got a hold
I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.